0: welcome to the access church podcast grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon hey, one of the things i talked about a few weeks ago is we want to be very focused as a church why are you guys sitting down i didn't say sit down oh, what's going on i'm just ki- i'm just kidding look at you guys sit back up i see who the compliant ones are and the rebels are like you ain't gonna do nothing about it, Man, i'm sitting down now you got you can sit down that's fine now some of you stay standing, I know. Hey, one of the things we talked about a few weeks ago is the focus for our church and what our purpose is and that we want to be a, a, a place where we're um, learning about Christ, learning about Jesus, to become like Jesus so we can live out for Jesus. We're very focused on that. Friendships might happen, other things might happen, like, oh, that's great. But right now is a great opportunity for us as a church to really focus learning about Jesus to become like Jesus so we can live for Jesus. The reason some of us struggle to live for, like, live for Jesus is because we don't have a desire to be like Jesus. And we lose that desire to be like Jesus when we don't learn about Jesus. I believe when you learn about him, it gives you a desire to be like him because he is life. And then as I have this desire to be like him, all of a sudden I can live for him and you start working with him in life. It, that's the process. So we're going to practice that. This is going to be like a training center. This is going to be an information center. This is going to be a training center. We're going to practice things and do things. And, and so if you come in, you're like, man, I even figured this Jesus thing out. Great. You can watch. You can participate if you want. You can. But we're primarily a training center. So we just sang a song, and it's easy to sing a song. And they're like, okay, now preach so I can just sit here. No, now we're going to kind of practice this, that nothing is greater than Jesus, that we have these thankful hearts. So this is what I want us to do is we're going to practice that right now as far as I'd like us in tables and if you're by yourself, you only have one or two of you. I'd like us to be around like four or five, at least, people around the table. So we're interacting in the community. But we're going to take time and just pray. And i like to start off before I, I, I preach today that we're just, we're praying and thanking God from our hearts. So it causes us to contemplate as far as what are we thankful about? Because there's always something to be disappointed about, right? There's always things to complain about. We're very good. You can go on social media and see all the things in life to complain about. But as Christians, there's so much to be thankful for. Have you seen God provide for you? Have you seen God protect you? Have you contemplated that he truly saved you from having your life go off a cliff? How has he blessed you? How has he comforted you? How has he forgiven you? Maybe for some of us, we got to go over all the sins. We haven't... We haven't thought about all our sins. we like, whoa, he's forgiven them all. So we're just going to take some time. So I'd like you to kind of group up. And if you don't know everybody, make sure you say your name so it's not, you know, you know who you are and things like that. And um, make sure you're in a group. And uh, just pray. Just pray. Some of you are like, oh, I'm kind of embarrassed. I don't know. Nobody's here giving you grades on your words, okay? So you don't have to use big words. You don't have to use... We don't care. This is a time between us and God just to prepare our hearts for what we're about to hear. Nothing better. We're just saying a song. Nothing's better than Him. Then let's pray. Let's thank Him. So if you can be in groups, find groups, figure it out. We're grown adults here, or some of us are. And just start praying. Just start thanking God. If it's silent for a little bit, it's okay. If you need to think for a little bit, that's all right. We're we're okay. We're an awkward church. We're okay with awkwardness. Okay, embrace it. So that's it. We have no special praying music for you. We have no background. We have no smoke. Nothing. Just start praying. Start thanking God. You can pray as much as you want. Go for it. One of the things I want our church to be this year is is not where we just rush through things. I don't know if you've ever been so hungry that you rush through a good meal like you could barely, and then you know you, you're not tasting it. You're not getting everything. You're just in a rush so you can go watch tv or move on to the next thing and sometimes it's good like chew slowly small bites like enjoy taste it all we, we 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 miss out on the flavor of life when we rush through it we can do this when we rush through certain seasons of life and we can do this at church and i, I want to begin to slow us down like and to contemplate what was that like maybe for some of us we were super stoked we couldn't wait to pray Maybe for others of us, we're like, oh, my God, it's so boring. Because being thankful for God right now is just not something we see or maybe we experience. We're like, I don't don't know. But that's good to be honest with ourselves. Maybe for some of us, um, we struggled. What am I thankful for? Maybe it's one of those things you know God's good, but you haven't seen him be good. Or he is good, but you haven't been looking. So this kind of helps us to get our hearts ready as we open up the Bible um, because this is God's diary. I don't know if you know this, but God pretty much wrote down a diary so you can know all his innermost thoughts. I don't know if you, any of you read a diary or maybe you read a diary that you shouldn't have read or things like that, but why, do, why does nobody want their diary read? Because you're, you, everything's there. The thing about God, though, he's like, I'm gonna have a diary, and I don't know if you read this diary, it's called the Bible, but it's pretty crazy like what he thinks about people and what people are really like. like you see the good, the bad, and the ugly, and God's like, exactly, I want you to see all that because he shines, and so we're going to be opening that, and hopefully through this, our hearts will be a little bit more thankful with who he is as we read this passage. We're going to be in John chapter 11. If you want to grab your Bibles, again, on our app, you can um, open up the Bible, or if you want to download the Bible, or these there's these things called books. I don't know if you've heard of those, but they're made out of wood, and we make paper, and you can open it, and you can mark it, and things like that. Everyone's different, so John 11 is where we're going to be. I'm going to attempt to go through the whole chapter and try to not keep us here till 1 o'clock. So that will be a miracle like the resurrection itself. So see if I can do that. Uh, the first 10 chapters, just so you know, there is a uh, uh, these books are written with, a, um, with an order, with a concept. Um, and so the first 10 chapters go over the first two years, almost three years of Jesus' life. I don't know if you know that. 10 chapters cover about three years of Jesus' life. From chapter 11 through the end of the book is really about uh, a week or so. So half the book is three years, the other half is a few weeks. So that's what we're entering into. And the first 10 chapters, Jesus has constantly revealed himself and defended himself. He wants you to read the first 10 chapters because God doesn't mind defending himself. He doesn't mind explaining. You have questions, he has answers. The skeptic asks the question seeking truth. The cynical asks questions never wanting to hear the truth. Make sure you're not a cynic. If you ask a question, then listen for the answer. And so Jesus defends himself, shows himself, reveals himself, proves himself to be God, the only person in history who doesn't talk about God but claims to be God and isn't crazy. And he proved it over and over and over again, and he's ultimately going to prove it in a few weeks through his death and resurrection. We'll get there. We'll get there. But now he transitions. So the first 10 chapters, he's defending himself, revealing himself. Now he transitions and it gets very intimate. Obviously, we know he's gonna sacrifice himself, but these next few weeks, he's gonna strengthen those who follow him. He's defending, he's been defending himself with people who don't wanna follow him, trying to recruit, trying to get them to understand. But now he's gonna pretty much rally around those that, are following him and are going to start the early church in acts and he's going to strengthen them in a few different ways and it starts here in chapter 11 so jesus we come before you now and i pray that you give us eyes to see ears to hear and a heart to receive This time that we have with you is always the most important time. It's more important than our education. It's more important than our stock portfolio. It's more important than our income. It's more important than our health. It's more important than politics. And we can't miss that. So God, I pray that each person here is blessed with being able to even comprehend you. Because if we understand you, we understand ourselves. And if we understand and get you, we understand and get life pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the premise of today, and it's this, if you want to write this down. God will never meet your expectations, but will always succeed them. God will never meet your expectations, but he will always, I said succeed, I meant exceed. There we go. Yeah, better. English people are like, what, that didn't make sense. The Holy Spirit spoke to me while I'm speaking, you idiot. God will never meet your expectations, but will always exceed them. That's better. That's the premise of today. I don't know if you believe that yet or if you even understand that because it's kind of a weird, like, wait, he's going to exceed them, but he doesn't even meet them. I'm going to explain. I'm going to explain. Um, Jackie Pollinger, P-U-L-L-I-N-G-E-R, P-U-L-L-I-N-G-E-R An incredible godly woman that most people in the world don't know anything about. And I hope you know who she is. If you don't like to read, go on YouTube. Look her up. If you like to read, she has an amazing book called Chasing the Dragon. Written in 1980. A book that really transformed me as a young man as I was trying to read about. I went through about two years where I wanted to read about great missionaries. I wanted to to read about people that did crazy stuff. I want to read about people that even Christians are like, you shouldn't do that. And they're like, I'm going to do it because God's called me to. Even their own family's like, what are you doing? A single white British woman, no money, going to go to Hong Kong, China in the 1960s and save people. That's just stupid. That's what the Christian said. That's just crazy. You need to have a plan. You need to have money. You need to get married. You can't be a single woman being there and it's dangerous and all this kind of stuff but she followed God to Hong Kong in 1966. Now some of you might be saying, "Well, come on, she went to a British colony at the time. She didn't go like to hardcore China. She went to, you know, Hong Kong and well, God didn't send her to a safe place in Hong Kong. She went to what's called the walled city. It doesn't exist anymore. In the 1990s they tore it down. At the time it was 6 square miles. Prostitution, drugs, The triad gang ruled that area. It was very well known. Police didn't go there. If you called, they did not show up. That was the area. And God said, yeah, I'm not going to call you to the British calling. That's the nice suburban, nice area. And go witness there. You're going to go there. And that's what she did. Now, some of you are like, oh, but God probably used, like, she probably was an amazing theologian. Her degree was in music. That's how God prepared her. She played the oboe. Who uses an oboe player? Like what great Christian played the oboe? Jackie Pollinger played the oboe and God's like, good job. Because you're going to go there and when you can't speak the language, you're going to use music, not a stinking theology degree. They don't care how smart you are. So she used music to begin the ministry. And you know how well that went? It failed. We tend to think, but wait a second, he's going to exceed my expectations. This is going to blow up. Failure after failure after failure after failure. God did not meet her expectation of, wait, I'm supposed to come here, and people are supposed to be like, oh, we're so glad you're here. Oh, you came all the way to here to help us. She was rejected over and over again. Why does God do it? Why does God not meet our expectation? Because he has to transform us. Because our expectations are in two ways. One is they're either wrong or they're misplaced. And so God destroys our expectations so he can exceed our expectations you see when she first started reaching out to them they would become christians and what 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 do what do we do when someone becomes a christian read this book get smarter and what happens they'd all fall away there was no christians pretty soon one of her students that she gave a bible to left he left the area came back in a year and she's like what happened you know you're supposed to follow jesus we're gonna start a church all that kind of stuff he goes, well, you gave me a book, but you didn't show me what Jesus was really like. So I got bored. You just said, I got bored. I didn't understand it. So I just kind of went and did my own thing. And that's when God changed our expectations of, don't just give them the Bible, show them the Bible. Show them the love of Jesus in this area. So she started a clinic. So she started a school. So after usually, And she started doing all these things and she changed the way she did missions. And from there, it would transform not only that area, but she, now she has schools all over the world because of what she did again she just wanted to be a missionary in hong kong and now she's over a ministry that goes all over the world exceeded her expectations but he did not meet her expectations and god does amazing miracles like you think about that how is a white british woman by herself going to even survive in an area like that God will always exceed your expectations. You know who protected her? The very gang that was supposed to destroy her. They protected her area because they respected her because of the way that she helped their gang members get off drugs. You see, they, did, they wanted their gang members to sell drugs, not be on drugs. Every time a gang member met her, the dude got off drugs. So the gangs are like, oh, we like this woman. So they actually protected her as she was getting their gang members off of drugs so they could sell more drugs. Well, then it's like, well, wait a second, but how are you going to disciple Christians if they're gang members and they're selling drugs? Don't worry, God will, God will take care of that. God gave her such favor that then she went to them and had to ask for permission as far as, listen, I'm helping you guys out. Can you help me out? I would, is it okay that rather than killing someone if they left the gang, because that's what they did, if you left the gang, they'd kill you. Is it okay if they stayed and they were a part of the church? They gave her an exception because of who she was. So they said, as long as they stay Christians and they don't go and sell drugs and join up, that's fine. So then they actually protected her and they actually helped her. And she began to save person after person in that gang. And that was the downfall of that area and why the government eventually tore it down. God will not meet your expectations. He will always exceed them. What limits us is when we put our expectations on God. Run, letting him destroy it, and then exceed them. John chapter eleven. We see this happen. In John chapter eleven, verse one. It says, "Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and uh, her sister Martha. You might have heard of Mary and Martha, right? Very popular figures. Jesus was visiting them, and Jesus visited them a lot. As you, when you read the scriptures, Mary and Martha pop up a lot, uh, and um, and so." Jesus heard about Lazarus who was uh, sick. And uh, it says, so the sister sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, the uh, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Mary uh, or Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he immediately went there and helped out. Is that what your Bible says? What Bible are you reading? Wouldn't that be the expectation? If you love me, God, you'll immediately help me. Wouldn't that be the most of our expectations? God, if I'm struggling financially, God, if I'm struggling physically, if you love me, wouldn't you help me? It says it right here. He loved them. He already said it won't end in death well, if it's not gonna end in death, in my pragmatic mind, then you should help him before he dies. That would be kind of the norm, right? It's not gonna end in death. Then you should help him before he dies. And look what Jesus does. Does not meet their expectation. Hey, send word to Jesus. Jesus says, all right, cool. I'm gonna stay here for a little bit. But wait, don't you need help? Yeah, not right now though. What's more important than helping people you love? Well, I gotta listen to God the Father. When he tells me to go, then I'll go because that's what he said before. Have you... Read the Bible, right? Where he says, I only do what my father tells me to do. Have you read the Bible where he says, do not entrust yourself to people, but to God? Now we're here to serve people, but I never entrust myself to a person. I get my commands from God. That's why Jackie Pollinger went when her own family and other Christians are like, you're crazy, no British white woman's gonna go to Hong Kong and say, you've never even done a drug. At least sniff some Coke or something before you go so you know what it's like. Right, you don't. You have no drug experience. You've never been in a gang. You don't even have a tattoo, Jackie. They're not gonna respect you. At least tat your back or something. So like, oh yeah, you're like one of us. She didn't do any of that. Hello, bloody welcome. How are you? Right? I don't even know how to. I don't know if that might be Australian. Should I just wrap up and pray right now? We'll just go home. That was because if it was our plan, no, you send. You send someone that's been in gangs and drugs and you send them to go reach people that are in gangs and drugs. And God says, I don't know, not my expectations. I'll exceed them though. Don't limit yourself. And don't limit other Christians. Be careful when you shoot down what God is doing in someone's heart and life. He, He might not be your expectation, but he's gonna exceed the expectations. Well, let me read the Bible for what it says rather than what I would like it to say. How about that? So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Jump down to verse 17. Because after that, then he goes on and he's going to exceed their expectations. It says in verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And just so you know, there's detail written, written in the Bible and facts to give you absolute certainty so it wasn't like well maybe he was just like knocked out for a little bit maybe he was just like no four days in a tomb you're dead that's why the bible writes a lot of facts is because faith is not absent of facts faith is built on facts we don't follow something where there's no facts and we're just like oh i hope there's a god and the Bible says, no, we can be as factual as you want. I'll give you the city. I'll give you the date. I'll give you the person. And books that aren't built on facts, right? When you read philosophy books in college, you read all these you know, books of other religion and philosophy, they, they're absent of an incredible amount of facts. I study philosophy in college where they're like, there's the Bible, that's a philosophy. There's the Bhagavad Gita, that's a philosophy. And I'm like, whoa, 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 no, nope, do not compare the Bible and of ancient religion, things like that, because, They're absent of facts, even though they're great stories. So the Bible wants you to know the dude was dead. Four days, buried, boom. So don't come up with any other conjectures, right? So now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Whoa. You see, we go through a grieving time when God doesn't meet our expectations. When God didn't meet expectations with your kids or grandkids, your family, or maybe in your marriage, or maybe with your finances, or maybe your your career, or maybe with your health, right? We have all these expectations of God. And what happens, sometimes it's tough to interact with God when you feel like he did not meet my expectations. Martha went out, and what did Mary do? You go talk to him. I'm going to stay here. That's significant. A little passive-aggressive. Have you ever been passive-aggressive with God? Yeah, I know you're not going to admit it here, but we do that, right? Oh, you don't answer my prayers? I'm not going to church. Oh, you don't bless me? I'm not going to pray to you. That's passive-aggressive. Now, some of us are like, no, I'm aggressive-aggressive. I just flat out, right? Isn't it great to see honesty in the Bible? Jesus loved Mary, and Mary loved Jesus, but she was struggling with them because you didn't meet my expectations. She stayed home. Hm, I'll show you. I'm not going to go out and meet you. And Martha's like... But Martha was honest. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But check this out. But I know that even God will give you whatever you ask for. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. (gasps) And Martha said, well, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She still didn't understand what he was gonna do. She's like, oh, I know, rise again someday, but not today. You see, some of us have dead things in our life things that are dying internally, things that are dying around us, and we're like, yeah, I know God can do it someday, and God's like, no, I want to do it today, so just watch, trust him, stick with him. Now, we jump down to verse 32, and we get to Mary. Jesus interacts with Martha for a little bit, and then verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, same thing, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. My expectation was when I gave you this message, you would immediately drop what you're doing and you would come, you'd help us out because you love us. And we do that with God. God, because you love me, you should immediately do this or you should do that or you should change our country here. Or you should change my family here or I shouldn't have to go through this. We all do that, right? And so she was doing that with him. We can be exactly like Mary and Martha, but let's look how this story then develops. When Jesus saw her weeping and Jews who had come along also were weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Notice that Jesus knows the end result but still walks with us in our grief. Does that show you who God is? That even God knows that there's going to be a resurrection, he's still sad by the destruction and death that we have to go through and that we have to witness. There's an emotional depth to God that even though He's going to raise and do powerful things in your life. He can still walk with you and grieve. because He understands that you don't always know the end result. And he grieves with us. Jesus then asked in verse 34, Where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. If you ever want to memorize a Bible verse and feel good about yourself, this is the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Boom. If you say Jesus wept, you just memorize a verse in the Bible. Congratulations. You guys, we got to slow down here because sometimes we we read the Bible too quickly. Jesus wept. Why is Jesus crying if he knows the end result? Because sin, destruction, death, it grieves him because it's not the way it's supposed to be. The things in this world sadden God. There's an emotional depth to God. He's not just this intellectual brain up there floating around. He is a being different than us but in some ways like us. Never forget, we are creating his image. There's a, there's a depth there. And Jesus wept with them as they wept. Jesus weeps with you as you weep. And just so you know, crying and grieving, it's not ungodly, it's actually very godly. Well, no, it's lacking faith. You shouldn't grieve, you should always be happy. Because you know that all good things work out for those, right? That verse that's thrown around, But yeah, I can believe that all things will work out for those who love him. But I can also grieve in the midst of that when things don't seem like they're working out. Even even though I know they work out, it just doesn't seem like it. And so it's okay. God grieves with you. God cries with you. Then the Jews said in verse 36, "Ah, see how he loved him. But some of them said, well, could not. He who opened the eyes of the blind man kept this man from dying. Ah, you're seeing the cynic versus the skeptic. Mary and Martha were a little bit skeptical. I know you love me and I love you, but I thought that God does this. When someone's sick, that he heals them. He doesn't let them die because they couldn't comprehend the resurrection. A cynic says, oh, you healed over there, but you can't heal now. So you can't do it. You can't exceed my expectations because you can't even meet my expectations you're seeing the difference in the crowd here verse 38 Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance and he said take away the stone but lord said martha the sister of the dead man uh by this time there's a bad odor he's been in there for 4 days i don't know if you've ever said the obvious to god like he doesn't know like jesus doesn't know that <laughs> but she's like, hey, it's going to stink in there. And I know you want to do a miracle, but it's kind of hard to do miracles when it's a little bit stanky, right? I don't know if, I don't know if you want to do that, God. And this is where Jesus is just so kind. We're, we as people always say dumb things. We constantly say dumb things. I think God just shakes his head being like, oh, I love you, I love you, but you're just saying dumb things right now, right? We do that a lot. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? Powerful there. That's something to mark. If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. Some of us come today and it's tough to sing songs about God. And it's tough to pray to God because we're like, well, all the stories are back in the Bible. Where's God glorious today? And what happens is we want to see the glory of God and then we'll believe in God. And God says, wrong. You got it backwards. First you believe and then you see. Trust in what he did on the resurrection that he died and rose again. Trust in who he says he is and then you will begin to see him more and more in the glory of God. You see, the glory of God is happening constantly around you. It's just we don't see it. And God says, believe for those who believe. I wake up tomorrow believing in what the glory of God will be that day rather than saying, I won't believe until you show me your glory. You will always miss out on God then. And so he says, didn't I not tell you if you believe in who I am, right? You will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone, then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. (laughs) So he's praying, saying, I'm I'm praying out loud for their benefit. That they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his feet, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth still around his face. That's a Interesting imagery there, right? And then Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. How blown away would you have been in Mary and Martha as far as like, oh my, and how stupid would you feel as far as like, why did I doubt him? Have you ever been there where you doubted God and then it played out and you're like, what am a knucklehead am I? Why? You doubted him because he didn't meet your expectations, but then he exceeded them. And you're like, oh. This is why God says my ways are not your ways and my ways are above your ways, right? My thoughts are above your thoughts. Anytime you put an expectation on God, you will probably be disappointed. But anytime you just trust him, you'll be blown away with how he exceeds your expectations. No matter what you feel like is dead and done, You blew it financially. You blew it morally. How much rebellion, how much sin, what God wants to know is, I take dead things and I make them rise again to new people. Not making you a better person, making you a new person. Not giving you an okay marriage, but giving you a supernatural marriage. That's what we just sang, right? Wasn't that the song? right? Gardens from graves. This is the story. I believe this passage impacts us in two ways. There might be more as you think about it and meditate on it and pray about it. God might give you more insight. He's, he's given me so far this limited insight that I just want to share with you. Two observations today before we go back into worship, and hopefully, man, we can really worship with thankful hearts and hearts that just trust him. The first observation is this. God wants to do more than you can imagine. I just want you to know if he lays anything on your heart, he's going to do more than you can imagine if you trust him. Think about this. What if Mary or Martha said, you know what? We're not going to roll away that stone. It's too stinky and you let them die. We're not, because notice they rolled away the stone, not Jesus. Jesus could have said stone move." He wanted to see their faith. I say, roll away the stone. Will you roll away the stone? Will you allow Jesus into the tomb? Can you imagine if they said, it's done. There's nothing, to, there's no miracle to do here. You let him die, it's over. And some of us have done with God. We won't let him into certain tombs, certain dead areas of our heart, certain dead areas of our mind, certain addictions or sin. I'm dead there. You can't win there. You can't resurrect there. And Jesus says, I need you to trust me. Roll over the stone. Let me in. Let me come in and speak truth. Let me come in and bring comfort. Let me bring in other Christians. Let me bring in Christian counseling. Let me bring in the word of God. And let me resurrect what's dead. And then watch what God does. It'll blow you away if you trust him trust him with your life, trust him with your heart, trust him with your mind, trust him with your time, trust him with your money, trust him with your family, trust him with your marriage, let him come in, there's so many tombs that all of us have, all of us don't have just one tomb, we have like a thousand tombs, and he wants to come in and just keep healing, keep resurrecting, but you gotta let him in, how do I let him in? You submit, get rid of your expectations of what God can do, oh he does miracles in other people's life, not my life, get rid of that, Oh, he only starts, he, only, he can only do great ministry if you have a theology degree. Get rid of that. Come on, Jackie Polinger. Just think of Jackie Polinger. Don't ever doubt the ministry that he can do through you. He's laying something on your heart to do something in the city, to do something at your job, to do something in your family, to do something. Never limit him of what he wants to do. The second thing is this. The second observation is, uh, is this, is that We don't just learn about God, but we also want to imitate God. And so notice what Jesus did. I want us to notice what Jesus did as far as living by faith means staying focused on what God wants you to do, not what others expect of you. Let me say that again. Living by faith means doing what God wants you to do, not what others expect you to do. People expected Jesus to stop doing ministry and to go over and help Lazarus but he only does what the father tells him to do. And the father had not released him to leave that ministry yet. Some of us, were so limited in our faith because we live out faith according to what others expect of us. We're not what God wants of us. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to other Christians. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, but make sure God is your primary voice, not other people can you imagine if Jackie would have listened to her parents? What parent wants their daughter by herself going to some area with drugs and gangs? No dad's going to be like, yep, that's what I raised you to do. Good luck. You're thinking the worst is a dad, right? You're like, do you have a gun on you? Are you going to marry someone tough? You know, you can do all these things. And Jackie's like, sorry, got to listen to him. But I raised you and I'm not, uh uh-huh. But he's the one I serve. What made Jesus successful was obviously he was God. That makes you successful, right? But remember that we're not just here to observe Jesus. We're here to imitate Jesus so that we can live out for Jesus. And some of us, we would have left because of pressure of people that we love. You gotta, oh, I gotta leave. I gotta do what they want. No, 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 no. Did God tell you to leave yet? Jesus was able to live out what God wanted him to do the Father, not what others expected him to do, and the expectations were exceeded. You see, here's the thing. The reason God the Father didn't want Jesus to leave yet is because he didn't want him to heal a sick man. He wanted him to resurrect a dead man. The greatest miracle is resurrecting a dead man, not healing a sick man, because other people, doctors can heal sick people. Good luck helping a dead person out. You see, when you go on God's timing, Rather than your own timing, then you'll actually see greater miracles in your life. Some of us miss miracles because we just don't ever trust God, so we don't ever see the miracle. Some of us miss the miracle, though, because we run in front of God. And we don't slow down saying, no, 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 he's going to do something even more amazing. Slow down and wait. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. When I first came to Christ, uh, he radically changed my life in some ways. In other ways, I, I, it took years for certain sins and struggles for God to work out. And you'll notice that. God does a miracle sometimes in other ways. In other ways in your life, he makes you kind of like work through it. But I definitely had a heart for people that were not connected to Jesus because when I became a Christian, none of my friends were Christians. All of them were heavily drinking drugs or just into partying. And I kind of lost that. Like I did it early on. I was like, uh left a bitter taste in my mouth. There wasn't any satisfaction there. So I came to Christ and I had a heart for people that were, that were into that lifestyle, but it's like, it doesn't do anything. If we're really honest, as funny as that was last night, it was kind of lame and it hurt people. And so uh, God gave me a heart for that. I became a lifeguard. I was an oceanside lifeguard. And if you want to work in a dark area, you go be a lifeguard. You're going to find some partiers and some people that are living a pretty dark life. I was also uh, in the restaurant. I was a, um, a waiter for several years. And that's another great environment if you want to be a missionary like like give me the darkest place go work at a restaurant you will find some very dark ways of thinking and living and i loved it someone was like oh i want to stay away from my like, i love it because i believe light always beats darkness it doesn't feel like it though when i first became a lifeguard as a rookie uh, my first year and they wanted to indoctrinate me right they wanted me to drink like they drank they wanted me to tell stories like they told stories and as, I, as I, was, I was letting them know, like, I'm gonna follow Jesus, they knew I went to church, they would try to push on it. They, they want to push to see if I was the real deal. People will push on you to see if you're the real deal. They'll say things, they'll do things that push you. Are you the real deal? Do you really trust God? Or are you one of those cultural American Christians? Go to church, I'm a pretty good person. Don't cuss, don't drink, don't smoke, or at least I don't tell you, you know? And I go to church, and I dress up, and I smell nice, and I do all this great American Christianity. And so it was difficult. I remember one guy would come and tell me about all his um, sexual conquests constantly. And he did it just to, to kind of provoke me because he'd always be like, oh, you can't do that stuff, huh? You go to church, you can't do that stuff. But he'd constantly tell me. And he thought he was provoking me. And all I did was b- my heart break for him being like, oh, dude, you're such a boy. I felt like I was talking to a little boy. The highlight of your days, if you can get a woman naked. Like literally the high, Like for him, that was, What a little boy you are. So I just started praying for him. That's all I did. It caused me to pray for him more. We had a couple guys that I knew were doing a lot of drugs. One of them was about to be suspended as a lifeguard. And so people feel awkward and wouldn't want to hang around him. I'd actually go and ask him how they're doing. Can I pray for you? I'd ask. They always received. Isn't it interesting how we don't want to pray for people? But have you ever been rejected if you just ask? I felt like God had me there not as a lifeguard, but primarily as a missionary. But I didn't see what he was doing because the first four or five months I was just being made fun of. Um, I saw no fruit. Nobody would come to, I asked everybody, nobody would come to church. And I felt like it was like, this is unfruitful. This isn't really, I'm kind of a, I'm a bad missionary. That's why I thought, I'm like, I'm a bad missionary. I should become a pastor because I can't be a missionary, right? It's just not working. But God didn't have expe- expectations for six months. And he was about to exceed them. In one way, um, our captain uh, found out that I played guitar. He found out I was on the worship team, You know, played guitar. And so he's like, oh, I wanna learn songs. He's like, I wanna learn classic rock songs. Can you teach me? And I said, yeah, but this is the thing that God laid in my heart as far as just like, but don't let him dictate what songs he learns. I said, well, here's the thing is, um, I'll, I'll show you songs, but I'll, only if I show you worship songs. Because, and, I, and I justified it, maybe a little bit of a lie. So sometimes you have to lie to be a mission. No, you don't, that's not the moral of the story. But, I I said, those are the easiest songs to learn. Classic rock songs can be complicated. I said, worship songs, we write like three chords. Every worship song is three chords. So I said, let me teach you worship songs. So he said, okay. So for three months, I think it was like three or four months, I got to teach my captain, who'd never been to church, worship songs. (laughs) And I would sing them while I'm playing them. Lord, I lift your name on high. Some of you guys remember that old school? Uh, I don't remember the rest. That's the only part I remember, (laughs) you know? but it was three chords and what he didn't know is he thought I was teaching him chords and in my mind, I'm like, no, I'm teaching you Jesus. I don't know the fruit of that. Um, it lasted for about three or four months, but I thought it was uh, opportunity as far as like, that's fine, but you're gonna do it, if you wanna learn guitar from me, you're gonna do it on kind of my expectations. And that's to bring Jesus into that. Here's what's crazy though, is I, I quit lifeguarding after a couple years, saw no fruit, so I'm like, I'm a loser. And then two years later, two of the guys, one of them that was about to be suspended and another guy um, that was um, in a very bad space as lifeguard, both of them came to the church that I went to. Took God two years, but when their life hit bottom, one of them got divorced. When their life hit bottom, where do you think they turned to? They turned to Jesus and when they thought about Jesus, who did they remember? Oh, that dorky Christian who we made fun of And both of them come to church. God exceeded my expectations. One of them would actually serve with me in youth ministry. And I just looked on Facebook to be able to confirm um, that he's still following the Lord. Otherwise, it's a horrible story. I'm like, I I don't want to. If he wasn't following the Lord, I wouldn't have told you. I'd have just been like, and the story was great. And he lived happily ever after. Still serving at the same church, still there at church. Serving on the worship team. Helping out there. 20 some odd years later. Exceeded my expectations didn't meet them because I thought I'd be a lifeguard and everybody would become a Christian and they'd be like, Brian, you're the greatest. I'm like, I know. Well, no, no, God is, but thank you very much. You know, I would get the adoration. I got nothing, but two years later, two people came to Christ remembering me, and then God would use them, and then they would go and do their. Do you guys see how God works? He will not meet your expectations, but if you trust him, he will exceed them. The worship team's gonna come up. Does this get you ready to worship and to and I want as you as we worship right now? I want God to do something in your heart and mind. I want you to get excited about living for him this week and seeing the areas where he wants to take dead things and to resurrect them. And I also want him to be able to maybe in, in your life where you can live out for Jesus being like, you know what, I need to stop listening to people and I'll stop listening to the voice of my own head. I need to listen to the voice of God because maybe he's calling me to something like Jesus and to do and to bring miracles into people's lives. But am I listening to his voice? Jesus, um, what we read about today is so powerful. Because some of us feel disappointed because you haven't met our expectations. We're not financially where we want to be. We're not relationally where we want to be. We're not career-wise where we want to be. Expectations we had of family, expectations we had of all these things are not where we want it. And God I pray that today we can let go of those expectations and watch you exceed them as we trust you. For some of us today, God, we need to imitate you. Jesus, you gave us a great model for what it means to live by faith and not living for other people. Some of us need to drop the expectations of our parents, drop the expectations of our brother and sister. Some of us need to drop the expectations of that voice inside our head, saying, Get rid of that. Let me just listen to the voice of God and trust Him. And watch him do amazing things through me as I trust him. So God, I pray today as a church, we'd be motivated. I pray today as a church, we'd be equipped. I pray as we worship you, you'd stir something in our hearts that this week we can live out, Lord, the life that you have for us. We worship you because you are good. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. It's kind of cool, the vibe today. Something's happening. Don't let that go. Not that, you know, some Sundays nothing happens, but sometimes the other days are special. I don't know what God's doing here, but um, I'm excited and think about this. If we follow a good God, there's some good things that are going to happen. God does not exist to meet your expectations. In fact, sometimes he needs to destroy them. But if you trust him, he will always exceed them. But you got to let him in the tomb. Mary and Martha did not trust him until they rolled away the rock. Let him in. No, I need, I need to see him do stuff first. You'll never see him. You will miss God even though he's right in front of you. So I was way too excited to preach today and I forgot to do announcements. I, I just geeked out. I know some of you are like, dude, are you on seven cups of coffee? I am on seven cups, but I'm also super stoked to preach. It was a mixture of the both. Um, We got some exciting things happening. And again, go back to two weeks ago when I preached on the vision of the church. It wasn't just to give you a vision. We're going to live it out. Like what we did today, we're going to keep doing it. Um, One of the things we feel like is we need to keep focused on Jesus. I've been talking about all through the pandemic. Don't focus on politics. Be aware. Don't be consumed by, uh, you know, a a disease or sickness be aware of it but don't be consumed be consumed by jesus be focused on jesus we're going to continue that one of the ways i'd like us to grow as a church though is not just talking about jesus but becoming like jesus i feel like that's where we're a little bit weak as a church just going to be honest with you i feel like we're really good at talking about jesus but then not becoming like jesus and that's going to limit us for how god wants to use us as a church so for the next several weeks i don't know how long you guys have heard of IQ, right? That's your, um, your intelligence quotient. EQ, emotional quotient. We're going to go JQ, Jesus quotient. Okay. That's what we're going to do, okay? So each week, I'm going to give you a theme of a part of Jesus that we can become JQ, higher-level JQ, and living it out. We're going to give you a characteristic of Jesus that we're going to focus on together as a church. I'm going to post it on Facebook. I'm going to remind you. When we start connection groups, which I didn't announce, we're looking to start in February. Um, by the way, we're a little bit prophetic. We beat Newsom by a couple of weeks as far as opening things up. So, but it looks like our state's going to be opening back up. And um, so we're planning on February starting groups. There's going to be a video group. There's going to be in-person group. And if the people transition from video saying, hey, if things open up, I'll go to in-person, that's fine. If some of you are like, I don't care, I want to keep it on video, we'll have that available for you. We have two options. Everything's online, right, Andrew? Is everything online? Okay. Everything's online. You can start signing up. uh, And uh, the in-person for now will be outdoors. We're not going to do indoors. uh, But that might change. Again, as I emailed you guys a few weeks ago, actually, Laura Lee emailed you on my behalf. So thank you, Laura Lee. um, And as we posted, um, everything's going to be week by week. So pay attention. We'll post it on Facebook. We'll email you. But that'll start in February. So please sign up so we know how many people we have, how many locations we need, all that kind of stuff. And if you're a super planner, as far as like, where's it going to be and all that kind of stuff, we don't know yet. Just sign up, okay? We'll tell you all that. But we need to know who's ready to start meeting together. The Jesus Quotient is going to be shared about in group. Also on Sundays, we're going to talk about how it went. Be praying for Laura Lee, Andrew, and myself, because on Mondays are when we're going to decide what's the quality of the week that we're going to work on. So these guys are reading uh, through... um, uh, you know the uh, Matthew Mark Luke and John look at the qualities of Jesus if you have ideas email me or text me as far as a certain quality or aspect of Jesus and we'll present it to the church so other other questions you understand what we're kind of going to be doing each week so we're going to be hearing about Jesus we're going to be a connection group talking about Jesus and then the JQ we're going to be living out Jesus that's what we're going to be doing in the next few months that's our focus as a church okay so here's the thing You can make church exciting as far as when we have people share, oh, this is how I'm doing, this is where I failed, this is where I succeeded, this is how it was. But if you guys don't do it, it's going to be awkward silence, which you guys know I don't mind having. I'll just look at you and you'll look at me. So be ready to live out for Jesus so we can share about that. Otherwise, Sundays are going to be super duper awkward. Okay, that's our vision. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to gotoaccesschurch.com.